At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. The following is an exclusive presentation of the Carolina Panthers and the National Football League. Yeah! Touchdown! Touchdown! Panther Talk! Panther Talk! Panther Talk! This is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Russell, under pressure, he's hit, and down he goes! Brian Burns, the sack. I mean, everybody's in good spirits right now, you know, going into this week off, you know, uh, the bye week is much needed. But, you know, you, you still miss playing on, on Sundays and you get to watch everybody else play. But uh, just getting a win going into this week is going to be is very crucial, and I'm glad we got it done today. And now, along with Jim Zoki and Eugene Robinson, here's Anish Shroff with Panther Talk. Live from the Panthers broadcast facility at Bank of America Stadium. I feel like we should start this show lined up in 13 personnel, no? <laughs> there you go. All right. We might be big enough to do that, actually. All right. 13 Three tight ends. We've got them stacked got the here. We've got our there. producer, David Langton, off to our left. Let's bring in the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, Steve Wilkes. And, and coach, let's, let's begin the there. I mean, <laughs> yeah, pound the ball there, Coach. Keep pounding heavy formations. Um, Sunday was a game for the big guys, huh? Up to our DNA, which is, again, physicality up front, coming off the ball, and just the mindset of running the football. Yeah, Coach, and let's stick with that whole uh, theme. I, I remember when McCaffrey left, I, I think you, you felt this around the entire city, like what we were going to go ahead and do about the running game. He was the only guy. But you knew on that offense that there was much, much more to be had. Can you tell us about Foreman and, and, and Tuba Hubbard and what you guys had in the background? Well, I, I knew starting up front, Eugene, I, I felt very confident in the offensive line that we have. And uh, I felt like that was going to really be our strength, and that's what we're going to have to really, you know, lean and rely on. And, you know, from afar last year, you saw Foreman at the Titans, and you yeah. saw him doing some great things. And it's like, man, at times when Henry was out, you, you at, at a flash, you thought it was Henry. So I, I knew he was a big physical back that, um, that could really be uh, beneficial to us. But he's the kind of guy that you got to get going, and he needs those carries. And our mindset is you got to have at least 20-plus for him. And when you look at Blackshear and then Chuba coming in, uh, trying to spell him, and Chuba had his 15 carries uh, for, I believe, 60-some yards. And it was very impressive across the board. And, Coach, I want to just stay with this right here. One thing I thought was impressive is as the running backs was pressing the hole, I thought your left side did an incredible job because there was some room on the left side that they noticed, 
and we're able to get outside of contain a number of times. Can you talk about what Aquana was able to do, what the tight end Ian was able to go ahead and do, and also with uh, Christian Christensen? Well, well, to be honest, you know, it was something that that we saw earlier on tape, and it was you know just trying to create that that uh, five man surface look with the heavies. And, um, you know, it was something that, you know, repeatedly in each game, you saw they having an issue with that. Mm. And once we got to it in a game, um, you know, uh, they still haven't corrected it from a standpoint of just, you know, short edge. And, you know, my thing from a defensive perspective is like, why go on to the next thing? You know, let's keep, you know, you know, running the play. Don't give them an opportunity to get to the sideline and make adjustments you know, make the players figure it out. So we try to stay with that. And then, you know, at halftime we talked about, you know, trying to create a play action off that. And that's what you saw with DJ uh, down the sideline off that same look. Steve, in terms of your preference, in terms of style of offensive play, you're running the ball 46 times yesterday. And that's you know, the kind of the mantra of, uh, every week for you guys is to try to pull that off. How much of that philosophy for you comes from that you're a defensive guy and how irritating that is to defend and how demoralizing that can be when somebody does that against your defense? Uh, it definitely is. You know, our, our philosophy, let me say this first, is, is to win and foremost, whatever we have to do to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a defensive perspective, as you just mentioned, it's nothing more demoralizing, in my opinion, uh, than having the ball just ran down your throat. You know, you're not going to stop these offenses. I don't care which one for being able to get positive yardage in the uh, in the passing game. Uh, but when they're passing and running the ball, uh, it's a long day. So you have to really make them one-dimensional. Coach, for Sam Darnold, we saw him get out there uh, for the first time in a regular season game this year. And uh, you very quickly after the game said, hey, he's the guy uh, for Seattle. Uh, what, what did Sam show you on Sunday? Well, I, I – I, I felt that he did a great job of, of really orchestrating the uh, the offense, uh, getting us in the best position to uh, be successful. Where there was the different looks that we were getting from the defense and communicating that, uh, and you know, with the blocking schemes we needed to get to, uh, I felt he did a great job and getting outside the pocket, being in the situation where he can win with his speed, but most importantly, still have his eyes down the field and executing the throws. And we started to do that early, just for us moving the pocket. And and then off the uh, the run game, just the play action, you know, that touchdown to DJ in the pass uh, was phenomenal. Great catch by DJ as well in the corner of the end zone. Coach, did you give him at least a little grief for the uh, touchdown Tootsie Roll? <laughs> no, it was a you touchdown, know what? baby. Hey, I'm not giving anybody any grief as long as they get in the end zone. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, and, and, and Coach, um, how big is your tight ends involved in what you do? I mean, I, I remember this team back in 2015. The tight end was prolific in catching the rock, you know, being that guy. But how how are you using your tight ends to complement what you do running pass wise? Uh, I, I think, you know, number one, it starts with, up front with the run game. And these guys are, are great in, in, in the inline blocking, particularly Ann Thomas. You know, tremendous job there. When you look at Tommy, you look at Sully, those guys, who I think bring an element of really trying to stretch the field uh, with, you know, with the vertical seams, you know, those things that we got to make sure we continue to, you know, emphasize uh, on throughout the game and making sure that, you know, they're in the game plan each and every week. You saw the uh, the boots and the rollouts right here with, you know, with uh, mm-hmm. Ian, 
uh, that we hit early in the game. So it's all about trying to move the pocket and get those guys in position to where they're benefiting off the play action, off the run game with the play action. Steve, you've had seven games now as, as the head coach here, and of course not, not your first rodeo, as we say, in, in that role. But as you've had these weeks to stack as far as doing the job and getting acclimated to uh, this uh, different role in midseason, your staff and so forth, are, are you kind of getting into a rhythm as far as just uh, the routine, the, the culture, uh, the things that you like to have as far as uh, just uh, practices and all that? Uh, does each week kind of get a little bit more easy in terms of just the, the functioning and doing the role? I think it is, you know, you try to create some consistency in what you're doing. And, you know, um, the, the goal never changes, as I'll say, but sometimes the plan does. And, and what I mean by that is that uh, I try to be the same guy each and every day, try to be consistent. But as the weeks go on, I may change reps. I may change the structure of practice, you know, um, you know, take the pass off out of a certain period, uh, move things around to try to keep the flow of practice going well. Uh, so we can keep guys engaged and locked in and focused. So uh, throughout that, it's different. The same thing with your meetings. You know, you try to be creative in the things that you're giving them uh, so you're not mundane and uh, you keep their attention. Coach, does this feel different from your time in Arizona? And if so, what things did you learn from Arizona as a head coach that you now employ here at the Carolina Panthers as a head coach? Uh, I, I think it was more or less what I said, you know, in my first press conference. You know, I got 13 weeks. Uh, that's all that's really guaranteed. And within those 13 weeks, uh, I'm going to make sure I do it my way. And yes. uh, I think that's really the difference in what you've seen uh, thus far with me here uh, compared to what I did in Arizona. Uh, and that's what I learned from, you know, whatever happens, just make sure when you leave, uh, if that's the case, Uh, that I know right now I did it my way. So uh, I'm heavily involved in everything. You know, uh, someone said something about the fake punt. Uh, You know, yeah, that was my call, you know, and it's something that we had talked about all week uh, because I wanted to come in this situation to be aggressive at home and, you know, let let my guys know that I have confidence in in them, particularly the defense. If we didn't get it, I knew they were going to go out and stop them, at least to a field goal. So, uh, being involved in the game plan, you know, giving my input, my insight in all three phases, and then allowing the guys, uh, meaning the coaches, to go out there and coach and the players to execute. Coach J.J. Jansen tying John Casey's record for games played as a Panther. You've been around J.J. in your previous stint with Carolina. To you, what's the significance of that? Uh, it means a lot, man. J.J., uh, his presence and his, uh, you know, um, really value to this organization, not just the team, but the organization goes beyond, in my opinion, th- just this uh, building. You know, uh, he's a staple in this community, things that he's, you know, done over the years. And then his job on the field, uh, you know, I-, I say it doesn't go unnoticed because the operation of just the snap you know, and, and the hold and all that stuff goes into play. He's touching the ball in every situation when he comes on the field. And uh, just to be around J.J., man, he's just so positive. A lot of, um, you know, wisdom, knowledge for these young guys. Uh, and really in every facet, but most importantly, the culture that we want here. He understands. And, Coach, as you move forward and get ready for the bye week, what's going to be the scheduling as you guys plan out what the team will look like as they – at the time off and when they come back? Well, um, we we put the uh, game to bed today. 
Um, you know, had the team meeting. We had OD and special teams. We had team pitchers. It's always, you know, a good time to schedule it with the bye. And I told the guys going into it, I, you know, I, I set the tone. I said, we win this game. I'll let you guys out of here early. Yes. And, uh, love so that. I, we love I, that. I, I, <laughs> I stayed true to my word. Mm. And really, most importantly, sometimes it's different. I've been around different uh, situations with teams. And I didn't have a problem because the bye is so late. You know, if the bye was early in the year, you know, we'd at least probably practice two days, you know. But uh, we got a lot of injuries. Yeah, I want guys to heal up and just guys to get away a little bit and recharge. So we'll be back on Monday uh, with a jump with Seattle, uh, meetings, walkthrough, back on, uh, off on Tuesday, and then back to work Wednesday. So that's the students. What about the teachers? Uh, how, what, what's the uh, the work to uh, getting a little downtime for you and the coaching staff uh, mixture as far as the next couple of days look? Well, I think, the, I think the teachers need to get recharged as well. And uh, I told the coaches that we'll be out of here on Wednesday. Mm. All right. So before we let you go, Coach, what big plans with the family? Anything you can you know, give us a little sneak peek into, into what Coach Wilkes will do here in the bye week? Because everybody knows you love mac and cheese now, but go ahead, Coach. <laughs> Well, well, I, I did enough eating, you know, on Thanksgiving Day. So, uh, to be quite honest with you guys, it's uh, cleaning out that third bay of the garage. Oh, that's, <laughs> a, that's a real that's, that's the honey do list a, that's, that's been that's, that's been sitting one. there since <laughs> August. Yeah, cleaning out that third bay of the garage, and then you know, watching some football uh, and relaxing a little bit. So uh, that's my agenda. I'm not going to get away. Uh, because to me, you, you know, sometimes that's just that wears you out more than anything else. So I'm just going to relax. Well, it has been well earned, Coach. Appreciate you and uh, you, enjoy coach. enjoy this bye week. Hey, I appreciate you guys. Take Thanks. care. Thank you, Coach. Man, that's that, that's not just like like sweep the leaves or something off the back. <laughs> Cleaning deck. out the garage. I mean, that is that is hours of. That's like the thirteenth labor of Hercules. Yeah, taking yeah. out and putting off, <laughs> calling to get junk people. That's a lot going on there. That's right. Get it working. We, we got more on the show. We, we'll hear from JJ Jansen, who tied the games played record. Uh, we'll hear from Kevin Clark, who covers the NFL for the Ringer. We'll talk about Sunday's game. Look ahead to the bye. But before we go to break, um, Steve Wilkes is three and four as interim head coach. He took over before a road game against the defending Super Bowl champions. They then trade away Christian McCaffrey. I think he's done a remarkable job considering the circumstances. And when you look at the games that are coming up, uh, you know, this team's going to play meaningful games in the month of December. Say what you want about the division. Steve Wilkes is earning him a really long look and a deserved long look at becoming this team's next head coach full-time. I think it's a no-brainer. Yeah. I think that he's the guy. I think he is the guy. He's okay. running uncontested right now, so he's he's taken this opportunity. And beyond the record, you know, the only clunker was Cincinnati, right? So it's like you look at just how how, how are they playing? You know, what how are the players reacted to him? Like how much they want to win to keep him uh, in that role as, as head coach. So I think everybody's rooting for that to happen, and there are still five more games to go. And I think he's fine with you know proving it out uh, as they play the rest of these games here and hopefully uh, beyond the five games uh, he's, he's in this division. A, he's not afraid to make the tough decisions. Yeah. I mean, there's two coaches that end up leaving after that he, he let go. I mean, he's making some really tough decisions 
that's really going to direct where this team is going to go. We did change quarterbacks three weeks in a, a row. A, I mean, exactly. That's not a normal that's situation because your quarterback is usually your quarterback. And then, like it's like Joe Burrow go play every week. It's like this. Uh, this is really a lot of massaging of the roster to, to get it each week the way you want it. And then, and then quickly, he said that he was involved in the call on the fake punt. He knew what the situation was, wanted to do something here in the bowl. He wanted to make sure that he knew his defense could go ahead and hold him to three points. He pulled the trigger on that deal. So, I'm telling you, man. Y- you know what that means. D- David Langton, our producer, is a magician with the audio editing. So you heard Steve Wilkes say, I'm going to do this my way. Yes. I th- I'm, I'm picking this Frank Sinatra mashup. <laughs> I did it my way. I'm leaving today. Wrong song, Eugene. <laughs> you guys sound like the Joe Piscopo. You guys sound like the Joe Piscopo version. Of this. That is the wrong song. Right, before any of us actually start singing, this is the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. This is Panther Talk, brought to you by Bank of America, official bank of the Carolina Panthers. Darnold under center, receiver to each side. The snap, the fake to Foreman. Darnold backpedals under pressure, lobs it to the end zone, and it's caught by DJ Moore for a touchdown. Great job in just how he, you know, ran and operated the offense. You know, we we put him in some situations where we felt like we wanted to utilize his athleticism for getting him out on, on the edge. Uh, where he can win with his legs, but also his ability to be able to still look down the field and deliver the ball, which he did. Um, he did well. Uh, and then this, the deep balls um, to uh, DJ. It was phenomenal catch, but but most importantly, uh, the throw was right on right on time. Panther talk continues on the Carolina Panthers radio network. And he's Shroff Jimzoki, Eugene Robinson. The broadcast rounded table is brought to you by Sitco. Keep your engine clean with Try Clean Sitco Gasoline. Sitco, let's go together. Jim, you brought it up to the end of the last segment. Sam Darnold, this past Sunday, third different starting quarterback of the season, third in as many weeks. And I just thought it was a really cool full circle moment. For a guy that I think this fan base, and let's face it, probably a lot of people within the building too, had written off when training camp broke and Baker Mayfield was named the starter. Yeah, think back to Wofford. I mean, it was just like it was all it was all about Baker. He was new. He had just gotten there. He hadn't done any of the spring work, so he was the guy. And it felt like he was going to win the quarterback battle because they brought him in, and he did. And then Sam gets hurt in that last preseason game. And here we are after Thanksgiving, the first time we see him take any regular season snaps at all and being active last week for the first time as even a backup. Uh, so, yeah, good for him. And to take advantage of that situation, there should have been some rust to knock off. He said first couple series, you know, he needed to get a completion under his belt to feel comfortable out there. But that's a long time uh, to play that position, Eugene, and not be out there getting the chance to, to throw and really uh, get ready. So I, I thought he handled it well yesterday. They ran it 46 times. So – you know, they created a game plan where it was run heavy, but did you see anything different out of Sam? Yeah, here's a, this is what typically happens when you're the guy that's going to be replaced. Don't forget, it. He, had a, he had to hear that all preseason, that, you get, that you're not the guy. And then they get Baker Mayfield, all right? And then Baker Mayfield comes in and kind of really assumes the role that he's the starter. What does that do to you? What you have to stay frosty. You have to stay with it so that you don't that you don't lose heart. You could be mad, but you got to be mad by yourself. You got to put on a different face. You got to do all that stuff, and then you get hurt. And then as you get hurt, you're waiting to get back in there to somehow show that hey, this team needs me, and this team, you know, I'm the guy. Well, this past week, what he proved to everyone was hey, don't write me off. 
because I'm not going anywhere. You know, and I told I thought that Baker Mayfield was the choice in preseason. I thought that he would, he would be the guy because I looked at the body of work that we've seen from Sam Darno the previous season. I'm like, okay, let somebody else have the reins. However, based on what we saw, it's that now Sam Darno renewed sense of like self and saying, look, I'm the guy. He played some spectacular ball yesterday. And going forward, I think that's his whole mindset saying, I'm going to show the Carolinas that you're making a mistake, that I'm the guy, and I'm not the guy that you uh, you kick to the curb. And it'll, um, it's the classic, you know, making tape for around the league. I mean, every time he plays well or P.J. plays well, um, again, Baker's had success in this league too. Don't forget, he was 11-5 and with a playoff win two years ago uh, for Cleveland. That's right. So they've all had their moments. You put that down on tape, whether it's as a two, as a one, as a one that's competing for a spot like it was in training camp this year. Yep. You know, every time you play well, it gives each of these guys an opportunity to show, you know, hey, if you if you're not interested, my contract's expiring, I've got competition for my services as, as we know. There's a lot of teams out there that struggle with that position as well. And seize the moment too. You got to seize it. I go back to what we saw in Wofford. We said this in the pregame show. Sam had his best week of practice beginning the day Baker Mayfield was named the starting quarterback. The pressure is off, and we talked about it pregame. Cut it loose. Mm-hmm. And he did a few times, and he made some big plays. Yeah, that that was a 50-whatever yard or two uh, DJ Moore yesterday. I mean, that was a dime. Yes, and the touchdown was. pass was a touch pass yes, against was. a really good defensive back there, too. Real quick, injury updates are brought to you by Ortho Carolina at any of Carol- Ortho Carolina's 40 locations. You'll receive the absolute highest level of orthopedic care possible from your first appointment to your full recovery, all points in between. Because it's Monday on a bye week, they don't have to announce a dang thing. <laughs> Ortho Carolina, a better choice official team physician of the Carolina Panthers. That's good. Nobody's hurt. And Nobody's we got a week to rest up. When we come back, we'll hear Jim's conversation with now legendary Panther. J.J. Jansen, that's ahead on the Carolina Panthers radio network. This is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers radio network. Brought to you by Coke, official fan refreshment of the Carolina Panthers. Our strength right now is up front. I told you guys that time and time again. Uh, the offensive line, tremendous job. Uh, we had 185 yards rushing, and I think um, Deontay Foreman had 113 of that. So uh, that's how we built, that's how we made. And it was impressive to be able to finish the game uh, the way we did on offense right here. Uh, we work on that uh, victory play time and time again each Saturday, and uh, that's the favorite formation, the favorite play in football uh, when you're on offense. Back to Anish Roth, Eugene Robinson, and Jim Zoki with Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Panthers all-time great, J.J. Jansen. He's been around a long time, seen it all as the long snapper here. And uh, before we talk football, competition Thursday. And in a short story form, how, how can you explain this? What What is that? What is that? How did it happen? So uh, that's something that Johnny's brought with him. Uh, every Thursday after practice, we have some sort of competition, usually between at least the three specialists, coaches. Others are always welcome to join. Uh, there's a first place and a last place. First place gets a, a prize, an unnamed prize from last place. And it's basically football parkour. We're going to move the ball from point A to point B, much oftentimes like golf, it might be throwing, it might be kicking, it might, we might, there might be props, people might be in the way, and it's, it's, uh, it's become, it's taken on a life of its own, uh, 
up up through this week. I've won six times. I'm making okay. sure everyone so this knows. Mo- most importantly, I, I try to remind Johnny at every turn that I'm I'm leading the charge here. Um, Eddie's kind of drifting away uh, from first place, but Johnny and I are in a season-long race, and I like to remind him that that I'm dominating right now. There's a number of players on this team having a great season, but Jake in the booth said Johnny Hecker is the MVP of this team. Would you put a nomination in for the way, he, yeah. which is a typical year for him, by the way, the way he's playing? But would you would you go that far? Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd put Johnny up at the top of that list, and 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 I would certainly say uh, if we can go co MVPs, uh, I would put Sam Franklin on that list too. I mean, the, especially in the punt game, those two guys uh, working together are fantastic. Sam's been uh, lights out for us, kickoff, kickoff return, punt, punt return. He's He's certainly a special teams ace in the league. I think he should go to the Pro Bowl personally, and uh, hopefully, hopefully our fans will will vote for him, Johnny, uh, Eddie, and Sam. I mean, I think they're very deserving. Um, obviously, being able to play well on special teams helps helps the team out a bunch. Um, you never know when those big special teams games come up. And it's really been it's it, when we've had good games. It's been Johnny and Sam leading the charge. All right, and lastly, you're chasing a longevity record for this franchise. I'm going to leave it at that. Um, but the guy you're chasing, I got to talk to a couple weeks ago, with uh, John Casey, the great original Panthers kicker, first free agent signing here. You guys are close friends. What, what does it mean that that's the guy, and have you guys talked about it at all? Because I know John doesn't really watch football much anymore. He's really not, he really is not focused on football at all. Uh, yeah, but as John will tell you, even, even when you get away from football, it pulls you back in. His son's a, a sophomore up at Dort College in Iowa, and they're bringing him in to be a kicking consultant and the whole thing. Football brings, brings everybody back. Look, John Casey, as far as I'm concerned, uh, should be in the ring of honor. I think he's one of the all-time greatest Panthers. He's, he's the most impactful player I've ever played with. Uh, he's the most impactful man outside of my dad that I've ever been around. Um, I can't say enough good things about him, and uh, there's, there's no doubt that I would be uh, in this position, you know, on this field today, playing with this team, if it weren't for for John, his his mentorship in the two short years we played together, his lifelong mentorship over the last, uh, I guess it's 14 years now, his wife Laura, their kids, their grandkids, they mean the world to my wife and our kids and our family, and so uh, he's he's probably the most special uh, man in my life outside of my dad, like I said, and so it's 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 kind of a cool opportunity. That's awesome. Great place to leave it there. Thank you, JJ. Absolutely. I appreciate it. And that's Panthers long snapper JJ Jansen back with more on Panther Talk after this. This is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Brought to you by Atrium Health because you deserve to live your best life and we're here to help. Wilson alone in the backfield. Shotgun snap. Here's the blitz. Russell under pressure. He's hit and down he goes. Brian Burns the sack. Inside the 35 of Denver. It really feels amazing. Um, you know, we went into this game really trying to outperform their defense, and I definitely think we did that. And, um, and personally, those rushes that I've been working on forever, like, as you know, coming out strength and, and board rushing was always my weakness. And today everything was clicking, and uh, I just felt amazing out there. This is Panther Talk on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. And Panther Talk returns in a Shroff, Eugene Robinson, Jim Zoki with you. And let's bring in our next guest. He is the NFL senior writer for The Ringer, Kevin Clark, a great follow on Twitter as well. Kevin, welcome to the program. From your national perspective, from your Goodyear blimp way up top. 
How would you best characterize the NFC South right now? A great division to be in if you're building for the future because you know what you have in front of you. Um, I, I believe the, uh, the I, I was just reading Joe Pearson a couple of minutes ago um, and just thinking about how the Panthers are still in the hunt and the fact that what Coach Wilkes uh, seems to be building right now uh, is not just for next year or the year after or developing the young guys. It can be for this year. And the fact that they're winning right now, um, when I was watching that game yesterday, I was thinking I'd much rather beat the Panthers than the Broncos. And there's a million reasons for that, one of which is the flexibility with the quarterback position, the coaching, whatever, the roster, um, the salary cap. There's a million reasons for it. But one of those reasons, frankly, is the division. I don't want to be with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I want to be with uh, with the mm. NFC South right now. And, and this is probably the last year for, for Tom Brady. Um, and so I think it's, uh, frankly, a great division to be in, uh, not just now, but the next few years. Last year for Tom Brady in Tampa, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. he'll be somewhere else. Maybe dollars waiting for him yeah. at Fox. Um, I, I, he doesn't want to be. I mean, the, the coaching staff right now. Um, I mean, it just doesn't doesn't seem elite. Uh, Todd Bowles seems like he's still uh, getting his bearings under him in Tampa Bay. Um, some of the play calling yesterday with Byron Left, which was really uh, kind of astounding. Frankly, uh, the clock management was pretty bad. Uh, I don't think Brady's going to be the type of guy who's going to demand changes. I think he just rides off into the sunset. I mean, there's reports that, that, that Fox might use him for this playoff. So, um, wow. so yeah, this, this is the end. So what, when you look at coach Wilkes as a head coach, what do you see in him? And is that, you know, transferable to any team? You know, it's interesting. Uh, yes. Uh, Coach Wilkes first got on my radar when I was talking to Coach Rivera, let's call it six or seven years ago. And he was talking about Josh Norman. And he was talking about player development in this league. And he was saying that everybody gives up on kids so fast now. When, you know, if, if they don't hit by the time they're, they're in their second year, everybody moves on from them, particularly at, uh, at positions like cornerback or quarterback, um, where it's very boom and bust. And that Steve Wilkes really developed Josh Norman. And I've thought about that for a long time. I think there's a, there's a real lack of patience around the league. And what Coach Wilkes is doing right now is from as good a job as an interim coach can do. Um, 3-0 at home, you compare that with what, what Matt Rule is able to do. And it's, you know, Steve Wilkes is a better NFL coach, frankly. That, that, that's almost inarguable. Um, I think Coach Wilkes got a raw deal in Arizona. Um, and I've just been so impressed with what he's been able to do because I think a lot of times, um, interim coaches are set up to fail, and, and that's not happening here. And I've been so, so impressed with the job uh, he's been able to do in such a short period of time. When, listen, I, mean, I, I was just reading it you know, a c- couple minutes ago. Remember, Matt Rule said he couldn't connect with the players because of COVID uh, until his third year, which I think is, is a little bit ridiculous. Steve Wilkes has done it in about five minutes. Um, <laughs> and, and obviously he was, he was out of that building for a few years while he was yes. in Arizona and a couple other places. But he gets the culture because um, he was there with Coach Rivera. So I, I couldn't be more impressed. You know, we just saw the Broncos roll through and a first-year head coach in Nathaniel Hackett in addition to the Russell Wilson situation. Could that be a one-and-done coaching situation because they can't easily part ways with Russell Wilson? They're invested there. The the dead cap charge, if they wanted to get rid of Russell Wilson, is $120 million this year, $108 million next year. That's it? I understand that the Walmart heirs have a lot of money, but they don't have that much money, okay? (laughs) Um, so, no, I, I think Russell Wilson is going to stay around for a long time, at least till 2026, um, when that dead cap charge becomes uh, $31 million. I know it sounds ridiculous. 
It's interesting to me because we don't know. I mean, you guys went through this um, when David Tepper bought the team, but you don't know how new owners are going to kind of react. I think that that you know one mistake was was giving Russell Wilson two hundred fifty million dollars before we ever Ooh. played a snap in Denver. Um, that that was tough. And then I, I just also think that some owners come in and they want to change everything day one. Some want to say, let's give it a year, let's give it two years. So we we don't know yet how proactive they'll be if they'll cut their losses, what their 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 kind of philosophy on sunk cost is. So could it be one and done? Yeah. But, I mean, so much of it, you know, this time, somebody was just asking me a couple weeks ago about one and dones, and I was saying, you know, with Urban Meyer, and this is a great example where we thought, okay, he's a bad coach, but we didn't know he was a disaster because he weren't in the building. And then you hear the stories from guys like Marvin Jones who were talking about how, you know, Meyer would just straight up lie about his accomplishments in training camp, and, and the players are laughing out of the room, Right. And so I think it's really hard to get fired unless you're at that level um, after one year. Um, so if something is happening in the building that's worse than, than we can see on the field, then yes, Hackett could go. But my guess is they give him another year. And listen, I know the Green Bay guys pretty well. When Hackett was in Jacksonville, um, I knew those guys pretty well. I don't know Hackett all that well. I've probably met him less than five times in my life. But you know, people around him say he's a really smart guy. He'll get it. Um, so I don't listen. I don't think he's going to become Vince Lombardi or, or, or something like that all of a sudden. But I do think he's going to be better than this. I think he made some missteps early, especially with the game management and, and hiring some of his buddies. That's gotten better. I think they give this another year because, frankly, with Russell Wilson, it's got to work, um, or else you know yeah. the entire oh, franchise yeah. is sunk for the next four years. Well, we're talking with Kevin Clark, senior football writer at the Ringer, uh, Twitter at by Kevin Clark. I know you follow college football as well, so. Obviously, germane to Panther Nation, the news that Matt Rule has taken the head coaching job at Nebraska. Your reaction? Great fit for all involved. Um, I, you know, it's funny. I'd forgotten I even tweeted this, but during the Panthers' first game, when Matt Rule was still head coach and it wasn't looking all that great, I just tweeted, "You know what? Matt Rule to Nebraska." Uh, solves everybody's problems, including the Panthers' problems. At that point, wow! Hold on, hold on. You had that foresight at that time. Yeah. I mean, Scott Frost was 0-1. I mean, it just felt, it felt, you know, it felt like a fit. Um, obviously, wow. Scott Frost was on his way to getting fired. Um, and so, I, yeah, I, I, I kind of saw it coming a little bit because you think about all of the openings. Um, I had thought between Arizona State and Nebraska, um, he'd find a home somewhere. He's going to get a big deal, I think, for over $70 million. Um, hopefully, if you're, if you're David Tepper right now, a lot of that comes in the next few years so you can, can offset the $40 million he was owed. Um, but listen, he's a program builder and he's a recruiter. And, and one of the reasons I was a little softer on, on Matt Rule and some other folks, I think Matt Rule was a bad NFL coach. I don't think there's really any debating that. I don't think he's ever going to think about going to the NFL again, nor do I think that any NFL person is ever going to think of hiring him again. What I will say is the people I talked to in college who were around his recruits, who were around his staff, they really do think he did a nice job with some of the, the modern recruiting, modern football, understanding size and height and weight and speed and all of those things, the relationships he had with high school coaches, all of that he still has. You know, the relationships with Texas high school, um, you know, what he was able to do with Temple really quickly. So, listen, I, I, I think it's going to work in Nebraska. Do I think that they're going to be able to compete with Ohio State and Michigan and USC and UCLA in five years in the Big Ten? No, but they're going to be better than this. Um, they're going to have resources with NIL. Um, you know, I was just listening to some of the, the college football pundits earlier today, and they were saying, listen, at this point, you can almost, if you're a big program, 
turn over the recruiting to the NIL guys. You just you just tell them what players you want, and you can go from there. So this is going to be a built-in advantage for a school like Nebraska with a massive fan base where they have an entire state um, where people will write checks because they want players. It's never going to be like it was in the 80s, never going to be like it was in the 90s. But Matt Rule can get them better than the Scott Frost era, which they haven't been in really 20 years. Kevin, we appreciate your time. Great, um, great insight, by the way. My great goodness. insight. Yeah, uh, you can follow <laughs> him on Twitter at by Kevin Clark, senior NFL writer for the Ringer. Kevin, always a pleasure. Thanks, pal. Thanks, man. Hope you're well. Bye, guys. Uh, that's Kevin Hello. Clark. Uh, interesting. Listen, I think Matt Rule's going to do well at Nebraska. I, I, I do. It's, it's a better fit for. It's a better fit. His style, what his background is, and there are those guys. Uh, obviously, an obvious one that could do both. Is uh, you look at Jim Harbaugh going back to Michigan, his success in the NFL with the Niners and so forth. He's a guy when given enough time uh, can can make it happen at both. But that's that's not a lot that, that that can do both the pro and the college at a high level. No, and what I think will help Matt Rule actually is the NFL experience when you're a college coach because you can now sell to recruits. Hey, <laughs> yes. I spent you know, almost three years in the NFL. I know what it takes to get to that level. Mm-hmm. And while it didn't work here. That certainly is a pitch yes, it is. to a young kid. Think about that if he's in your living room and he's recruiting you, Eugene, and you said, wait, this guy coached in the NFL? That's right. And he knows what it takes to get there? I'm going and to I've school. got a chance to <laughs> yeah. go learn from him and find out all that? Absolutely. All of a sudden, that's a sell. That's not a negative anymore. Which, no. by the way, hidden lead there, you're in your late 50s. So for you to be recruited... <laughs> At college, to even have eligibility at this no, age is amazing. Zoke will be you your NIL bad guy. <laughs> <There> you <go. laughs> but you're absolutely right. We're getting a candy deal. That becomes a feather in your cap because the fact that you are a guy that spent time in the National Football League, you have instant credibility. Instant credibility. Somehow, this is what I'm looking for. This is what they are looking for. You meet this criteria, I can develop it here at Nebraska. Yeah, and, you know, I know it, it – it's become a little bit of a, oh, you know, there's a Temple guy, there's a Baylor guy. But you know, the fact that you see a, a Sam Franklin, a Sean Chandler, and, and all P.J. Walker, you know, all these guys who were not big-time recruits, the fact that they made a practice squad, they're on an NFL roster, you know, that, that speaks to some element of, of player development. Yeah, practice it? squad, you get paid, too, now. Yeah. They pay, they pay you, too. We're back. We'll uh, wrap things up in our final segment. Jim, Eugene, Anish. We'll be back with you in two minutes. This is the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Is that the one? Panther Talk continues on the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. Final segment of the evening here on Panther Talk. And uh, let's talk some milestones. Brian Burns this Sunday picked up his 10th sack preseason goal. Check the box. Double digit. A little rapid fire. Jim, I'll start with you. The franchise record for sacks in a season is 15. Burns is at 10 with five games left. Does he get to 15? One a game? I'm taking it. Yeah, yeah. I think he will. I think he'll get one a game. He's And he's on a he's on a hot streak right now, too. Like They get that rhythm, and Steve Wilkes is talking in his press conference today about all the different moves he has and the way he rotates them and mixes them up, Eugene. So, to me, I think... He, he's like Miles Garrett, like where he get at yes, least he with the, the different kind of moves, be able to get at least uh, at least one a game. And if he did, again, if he doubles up, gets two, he could go a week without getting one. So I'm gonna say yeah. And don't forget they move him all over the field too. Sometimes he's on the right defensive end. Sometimes he's at the left defensive end. Sometimes he's at a three technique. So he's moved across the field, and that gives him more ability to, to get more sacks. Five sacks in the last four games, four straight games with a sack. 
he's got a chance. All right, here's one. DJ Moore had his second 100-yard game of the season on Sunday. He's got 605 receiving yards. Does DJ get to 1,000? Yes. He needs to average yes. What, yes. almost 100 a game there, right? Yes, you think he so? gets to 1,000. I, I believe that young man will definitely get to 1,000 yards. There's a difference about him. I think when you really start to target someone and he becomes your guy, DJ has been dying to be the guy that Steve Smith – guy that you go to he's that guy and he has that type of ability and don't forget dj is a hard man to tackle too you you can't just go up there and just put a put a shoulder on him you better wrap him up because he will run through your tackle he is a big receiver and hard to bring down and he's your clear go-to guy i mean you think about you know with mccaffrey gone we don't use the tight ends a lot you look at the other wide receivers uh, foreman's a running back as opposed to a catching a, a running back i mean he should be targeted I mean, like yesterday, Let him he had, what Let he him had, even yesterday, I know we didn't throw it a lot yesterday. He had four catches. I mean, he should have at least double that every yeah, week. 10. I would think so. He should, have, t- he should be targeting about 10, 12 times at least, and he'll catch at least seven, eight of those. All right, Jim, Deontay Foreman needs to average about 87 yards per game rushing the rest of the way to get to 1,000. You think Deontay Foreman gets there? I feel like I'm just Mr. Positive, but yeah, I mean, again, because that's what we do. I mean, we're going to run the football. We run the football. So, I mean, most games he comes out with like 113, 118 yes. yards. And then I he know. had that 132 that one week. So, for him to get 80 yards would be kind of an off game a little bit. So, and I think when you look at the schedule and the teams we're playing, there's no reason to think that he won't be able to do that. And again, that is, I know the mentality is to win first, but how we get there typically, the, the want to, uh, is the way we run the ball, I think. And he gets better as he handles the ball even more so. And I think the offensive line, the fact that we're much better offensively on the offensive line, I think that really bodes well for him. Yeah, and did you guys see what Josh Jacobs did to Seattle? Oh, my goodness. 33 carries, 229 yards. Las Vegas this past Sunday against the Seahawks, 40 rushes, 283 that's an average of better than seven yards per rush. And that last one for the 86-yard touchdown and the overtime, he hit it up the gut. And I'm like, my goodness, no one's going to go ahead and tackle him. The free safety doesn't want any of that. And then he was able to go ahead and outrun people. That's Foreman. Yeah, yeah. I, play, I played against him in fantasy football. I was pretty, pretty excited. About <laughs> there you go. He had like 10,000 points yesterday. Uh, Jim, everybody cares about your fantasy team, right? There you now. go. Indeed. I'll tell you about my golf game later. <laughs> and then I have vacation slides. All right. We'll save that for after the bye week. Eugene... Last one, Sam Darnold. Does he start the remaining five games for the Carolina Panthers? Yes, he does. However, I would say this. Okay. PJ, watch, watch out because you're going to be on deck. If something goes down with him or if he happens to get hurt or anything like this, PJ is going to be in there immediately. I feel like that's the, the way they're going to want it to go. Yes. Because you want some stability at that position. And so, to your point, obviously injuries happen and so forth, and there might be some spots where you could get P.J. back in there. But we've seen what everybody can do. This is Sam's opportunity. He's only had one game. You know, Baker had six games. P.J. had a number of games. So I would think as long as he plays relatively close, and I think he played better than he played yesterday in terms of the stats, I think uh, you know he's got a very good chance to finish out the year. And don't forget, Coach Wilson, they moved him out of the pocket. And also, there was one run that he had in that game that he looked absolutely – Cam Newton liked the way he hit the hole, and I said, Dude, "This is the one we rolled run. in the end zone with the fumble." <laughs> no, no, not the one, not that, not that roll in the end zone. I'm talking about that one he picked up about 15, 17 yards. Cam, Cam Newton? No, he had that. He had some. He had some speed. Hey, this on is him. Panther talk. On this show, we dream he big. Some, he had some speed on him. He wasn't slow. That's what I'm. This saying. ain't Broncos talk. This is, you know. 
Big, big bye week plans for you, Jimmy. You're going to clean out the garage. That's right. Yeah, Coach Wilkes has set the bar high yes, with the cleaning out of the garage. Thanks, Coach. We went up to the mountains this past week because we had a little bit of extra time and chopped the Christmas tree down. So I know what's coming up next is all we have is a naked tree sitting in the living room right now. So it's going to be all the boxes the and all the stuff. Tree, is it? No, it's a, no, it's just a, it's a mountain tree. Okay, mountain tree. But now we have no lights, we have no decorations, <laughs> we have nothing outside. So I know it's going to be getting all that stuff out, and that's all going to go out. So you're like weekend. Clark Griswold driving Clark Griswold. back, going underneath the uh, 18 yeah. wheeler. And yep. you'll be out there saying, Clark, pull. <laughs> no big plans, Eugene? No, not at all. all right. Oh, okay, nothing? there we go. Oh, yeah, nice. nothing. I'm good. Right. Thanks, that, sounds, that sounds secretive. <laughs> nobody nobody talked to me. I'm going in hibernation for a few days. This has been Stop Panther Talk. Right in the news. <laughs> this has been Panther Talk. Brought to you by Atrium Health. Because you deserve to live your best life, and we're here to help. Bank of America, official bank of the Carolina Panthers. Coke, official fan refreshment of the Carolina Panthers. Panther Talk. Panther Talk. Panther Talk. This is the Carolina Panthers Radio Network. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.